You know, the Church of Jesus Christ is the most powerful entity on the planet. Not because we have a physical army, not because we have anything that the five senses would say we're so powerful, but it's God who has sent, raised up his church, and it's to be salt, it's to be light. And so the church is not a political force as far as a political entity. We are a political force. But, you know, a lot of people think, well, everybody in this party must be every Christian. We're not here, we're not a health care force. We're not here to go out and pound away and divide people. We are here to bring Jesus to a world that is broken, hurting, confused. And as we make that our primary purpose, then we can come to the unity of the faith. Not the unity of medicine, not the unity of politics, not to the unity of world theories, not to the unity that we all have to be in agreement on COVID. We've all got to be in agreement with governments. That's never going to happen. All right, so chill. But we come together with the unity of the faith that Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, he says, go to, let's rise up and touch a planet that is hurting. Today I want to talk to you. I'm going to entitle this The Hidden Man and His Abilities. They say the greatest miracle on the planet, and it's true, is the born-again experience. But it just kind of sounds wah-wah. like, well, God, I'd like to see you raise somebody from the dead, Jesus. I'd, I'd love to see you have you walk someone out of a wheelchair. What do you mean that the greatest miracle? Because the Bible writes about it for like 20 books, and then it prophesies about it in the rest. Why is the born-again experience so stunning and so phenomenal? I was preaching at a large conference, and there was like, I think, close to 40 speakers that have gathered for a week of conference from around the world. And as I was meeting them in the green room and getting a chance to meet them, they all looked like world leaders. Then I met one guy who looked like Elmer Fudd. I don't know if you guys ever watch Looney Tunes, that kind of the cartoons. I mean, some of the youngers have them, but he looked like Elmer Fudd. He even had a voice, kind of, like Elmer Fudd. And they'd set up the green room so you could have coffee, you could have quiet areas to prepare your message because you would come on and you'd speak and then they'd walk the next person on. It was, it was a very cool conference. And when I saw him go up to speak, I thought, I've got to hear this guy. Like, either someone made a huge mistake or I'm really missing something. So I slid into the auditorium, sat down, and I watched... Elmer Fudd, take the pulpit. And as he began to speak, the presence of God just began to touch people. And as he began to teach the word of God, people either just sat there, like didn't even move, or they were grabbing their notepads and taking notes because of the richness of God in his life. It was flowing out of him in such a powerful way. And yet, 
When I tried to talk with him in the green room, he wasn't as well-spoken socially as many of the other people who were like really well-spoken socially. He was kind of awkward and got his name, and, and I can't use it because who knows where this message goes all over the world. But, and, and all I remember is getting a chance to go for coffee with him after and just share and talk. You see, the Bible says that you are not to look at any man or woman according to the natural. That's why racism is so evil. He says you look after, the, as, as far as those of us who follow Jesus, we look at everyone as a righteous person in the family of God. Not only do you not look at their skin, you're not to look at their giftedness physically or their giftedness mentally or their giftedness in business or their giftedness in acting or their giftedness in any area. You're supposed to look at them as someone who God loves as a righteous man. Now, here's the amazing thing. Because what you see is not you. I was looking at Elmer Fudd and I automatically thought of a guy saying, you wrap the dwarf rabbit. <laughs> but inside of that earth suit, his body, inside of that not so skilled socially, was a man in love with his Jesus and who had spent decades in God's word. And it came out of him so beautifully. And I want to challenge you today that not only do we not know the other person. Do you know that the Bible says only God knows the heart of a person? That's the core, the center. You don't know. That's why we're not to judge the heart. Because the hidden man is the real you. You're not your emotions. Someday that'd be pretty bad. You're not your physical body. When it stops working, the real you is going to be even more alive in a place called heaven. You are not your mind. Or sometimes we'd be double-minded, confused. You are a spirit living in a body with this amazing onboard computer. And we were sharing a couple times already on this how that when Adam and Eve made the mistake of not obeying God and obeying the enemy. They literally became born again in reverse. The presence of God and the nature of God left their spirit. And fear and worry and anxiety and stress is the very next thing that happens to Adam who was trained by God. His mind was trained by God. His emotions were trained by God. But now his nature had changed and the Spirit of God had left him because of his disobedience. And when God came into the garden to walk in the cool of the day, the Bible says he had to go, Adam, where are you? Adam! He hid himself. And literally embarrassed, ashamed, um, worried he was going to get dealt with. He kind of crawled out somewhere and him and God had that talk you can read about in the book of Genesis. Since then, the human condition, regardless of how well you can put on a front, regardless of how talented you can create in your mind, regardless of how skillful you can make your body, whether it is to sing or play basketball or make millions playing football, Deep inside of you, you are a spirit, and if you do not give your life to Christ, then you cannot have the nature of God. And that's what I want to talk about today. That as we come together as a church, and we've been together now, you know, we might have missed one Sunday, I think, or two Sundays in the last 17 months. Uh, and 
When we come together, we are to appreciate and love one another. We are to see in each of us that, that, that God made them, God values them, God is in awe of them. Whereas religion always judges. You got a little list that you're going to put on here as to what you think about that person. Who are you? Who are you? You're not supposed to judge. Judge not. Look after yourself and leave, leave that person to God. And so we've got to learn to look at people as God's incredible, beautiful, gorgeous gift. Even those who have not made a decision for Christ, they are kids, they're God's kids who have to make a decision to accept his salvation and this beautiful gospel. And so I want to challenge you today. Make sure that you understand that everyone else, you're not seeing the real them. But now let me go to the bigger problem. Most of you don't see, see the real you. You think your condemnation is you. You think that how you were raised and maybe someone, you know, maybe you didn't have a dad or a mom, maybe a foster home, maybe a single mom, maybe a single dad, uh, maybe an abusive parents. I don't know. But you think that you are who your parents think you are or you are who your grade 12 teacher thinks you are or it's your coach thinks you are. But your giftedness mentally and your giftedness physically is not determining your value. God determines your value. What is it that God wants you to know? Did you know that we know by reading the word what he wants us to know? Ephesians chapter 1 is a prayer starting in verse 15 and on where Paul shows us that God wants you to know his inheritance in the saints. He wants you to know that Christianity it was called the way in the Bible. Why the way? The way to what? And everyone's got an answer. The way to be good, the way to have power. The way. It's the way back to Father God that we lost. The way back to having a relationship with him. To know he's smiling at you. To know he cares about you. This is what the way really is this beautiful gospel. And you and I are to recognize that this hidden man, okay, in a born-again believer is filled with the nature of God. So many people pray prayers that are not accurate. Well, what do you mean? I mean, right now, if I was to pray God, please give me a cup of water. Please, God. God, where are you? I need water. Water. Please, God, water. Someone goes, just take a drink, Leon. You walking around. It's like sometimes when you put your reading glasses up on your head and you're looking for them all over the place and you can't find them and you've got them the whole time. There's a lot of things that are in the new man, in the hidden man of the heart, that the Bible in the new covenant doesn't teach us to pray for, but people get all confused with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are transitional books between the old covenant of blood and sacrifice and the new covenant of Jesus who once and for all. And there was to be no more sacrifices. And so when you look at what you, when you say, Jesus, I accept the gift that you did on the cross because he died for your sin, he took your punishment. He rose again, and we rose with him. We died with him. He did it for us. The great exchange is he exchanged our lives for his lives. And so we're filled 
with the presence of God. Now, when that happens, there is something that is inside your recreated spirit that you don't need to be praying for anymore, going, God, 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 where are you? You, 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 I need. Just a minute. Before you tell them what you need, you need to understand who you are. And it changes how you deal with some things. So the hidden man of the heart, that's who you really are. And as a church, we are the body of Christ. We are here to bring this message to people. And I have sat down and witnessed to actors, to incredibly wealthy people, billionaires. And, and as you get past the mask, because you know you have to look together and you got to look confident or no one's going to do business with you. No one's going to hire you. No one's going to marry you. <laughs> no, no. You have to have this confident look. But deep down inside, when the giftedness is gone, when, when you're not using your physical gift, your mental gift, and it's just you and God, People feel so empty. That's why people will do a, a concert for 80,000 people and still have to go to the green room and snort lines of coke just to feel loved, even though people are screaming their name and waving. There's this nature that you don't have if you don't know Christ, and that's the nature of God himself. Now, I want to take a look at this nature, and I want to help you with walking out that nature by praying correctly. The Bible says as you go through the epistles, and especially as you go, I love the prayers of Paul. Ephesians 1.15, Ephesians 3.14, uh, Colossians chapter 1 verse 9, and on, he prays. And when he prays, he gives us accurate new covenant prayers. Not begging, not pleading, that's Old Testament. But because Jesus died on the cross and he did some amazing things from the cross to the throne, then we have to look at this new covenant. And the Bible says repeatedly that we, are, we have the fullness of God in us. It doesn't say, oh, you didn't get little peace. You didn't get any healing. You didn't get any joy. No, every person here who's given their lives to Christ, his fullness, it says, have you received? You lack nothing. Peter teaches us that you've been given all things that pertain to the life you're going to need to live down here. And the godliness that you need to live from, it's been given to you. And so when we don't teach that, and we just teach that you're all dirty, rotten sinners, barely saved by grace, and you ought to be glad God even thinks about you. He's not thinking about you. But, you know, if he was, just be, and it makes mankind this horrible, low uh, creation when he's not. All through the Bible, man is his crowning creation, and the world, the animals, flora, fauna, are all here to bless you. He is so in love with us. And as you look at these prayers, it'll say things like, you have the very ability of God in you. So then why are we always praying for ability? Oh God, help me to handle this. It's already been given to you, and it's in your spirit. As we take a look at this hidden man, the longer that you serve Jesus, if you do not dive into the word and really think through the cross, his death, his burial, 
his resurrection, and his ascension to the throne at the right hand of God. If you do not work through those four stations and realize what Jesus did in every part, and you, and you need to do a little bit of work there, don't you go, well, yeah, I know, Leon, cross to the throne. No, no. It's in the details that you're going to grow your faith. It's in the details that you renew your mind. Getting out to church and hearing the teaching, reading your word for yourself, reading great books, listening to great teachers of the word to find out what is it that Jesus did for you. And as you stay there and you begin to understand this new covenant, this faith rises up. You know, there's two kinds of faith. There's a faith that comes from God's word, and then there's a faith that comes from your five senses and your feelings. Did you know that the majority of people that I work with over the years, that their faith is just kind of a natural faith? They've never, now they'll talk a lot about it, they've never learned to walk in the very trusting faith of God. And what? Faith in what Jesus has done. Did you know that in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 42, Jesus is talking to some religious people, and he says about himself this. Listen to this. He says, a greater person than Solomon is here. He's talking about himself. A greater person than Solomon, the king that every king pales beside, because the whole then known world came to see him. And I mean, they would give him gifts and money, and we still talk about him. There's no one that has matched his wealth yet today, when you even just read what's registered in the Bible, that he would do each year. And yet it said, Jesus says, a greater than Solomon is here. Did you know, listen close to me, that that's you too? I could point at anybody here and say, A greater person than Solomon is here. Do you want to know why? Because Solomon had not been born again with the nature of God. He had been gifted wisdom to look after God's people. But according to the Bible, Jesus' wisdom is in you all the time. And it's working in you. And you've got to learn to treasure some of these things. Do you know what the difference in wisdom and knowledge is? Wisdom is the ability to connect all the dots. Know what to do. Knowledge, you have to grow in. But when it comes to understanding and wisdom, you can gain all the knowledge. It can be in God's Word, it could be in computers, healthcare, politics. As you gain knowledge, the Bible says wisdom is a gift. And He'll just guide you, and you will know what decision to make. You will know where to turn, what to do. And that's why this brand new hidden man. That's who you are. You are the hidden man of the heart, the hidden woman of the heart. And as you begin to look to the new covenant and find out why Jesus is so important, most people only know the historical Jesus. And we know he was here. It's not just the Bible. There are other books that talk about him, explain him, uh, lots of other books. And so we know that Jesus walked the planet. But what the New Testament shows from the book of Galatians and on is what he did from the cross to the throne. And as far as wisdom goes, some of you need to stop saying, I'm so confused. Some of you need to stop saying, I'm not that smart. I didn't finish my grade 12, or I didn't go to university, or we all, and and it's just showing sometimes in us that this inferiority complex, when you as a born-again believer have access to the wisdom of God, and if you'll gather the knowledge of God, the knowledge of this world, he'll guide you and lead you because wisdom is a gift 
that is just yours. Isn't that interesting? Another thing that, you're, that you have in your inner man, in, in that hidden man of the heart, and I'm going to just give you four quick ones before we close. Wisdom is the first one. Let me give you a couple of verses. 1 Corinthians 1.30. It says there that Jesus was made unto us wisdom. Made unto us. To handle money, handle kids, raise your family, uh, deal with any decision you want to make from healthcare to politics, you name it. There is a wisdom that is in you that you need to learn and trust on rather than just follow somebody else. Well, I guess that makes sense because I'm not that smart. Stop saying that. You are brilliant. Usually the only difference between you and, and the person you respect so much is one daily habit like studying medicine or studying something. That, that's it. we got to stop looking down on ourselves. This wisdom is phenomenal. And James 3.15 says, This wisdom that you have always access to is not a wisdom that comes down... Uh, oh, he's talking about, in, the, in James 3.15, is talking about the wisdom the world uses. Listen to this. This wisdom is not a wisdom that comes down from above. This one is just earthly, and it uses your senses, and it's devilish, the Bible says. Isn't that interesting? A New Testament verse saying that the wisdom, and so many people can be looking for wisdom, and they begin down a path where it becomes evil, and they can do a lot of hurt and a lot of heartache. But you, the Bible says in Colossians 1.9, have the spirit of wisdom. You can know what to do when that 12-year-old daughter is taking you on. You're going, Jesus, help me. The wisdom of God will be right there. Just spend time with him. Business, investment, you name it. This wisdom is available to the body of Christ. The second thing that Jesus says is ours is love. Love. I'm not talking about, oh, I get goosebumps when I look at you. I'm not saying that when you kiss your boyfriend, your leg pops. I'm talking about valuing one another. And it says here in 1 John 4, 7, Beloved, he's speaking to his family that are born again. Let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loves is begotten of God, knows God. Did you know that what the, 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 the sign of a person has given their life to Christ is a person that has an ability to love like they never had before, and that ability can grow. If you meet someone who says they're a Bible scholar or a prophet or a pastor or a teacher or a whatever, and they don't, you don't feel love, there's no love coming out of this person, it's a different spirit. They, they can be religious, they can memorize the Bible. You know, Khrushchev had the whole New Testament memorized. Didn't do him one bit of good. When you take a look at this, it's love. It changes your spirit. Now, it doesn't mean you're such a soft little guy you could never go into to battle and protect your family. No, it's talking about not a wimpy feeling. It's talking about you know who you are. You're not going to bow down or act this false humility. You can be confident. You can be gifted. You can be strong. You can be a leader. But the second you look at any person, you look at them and you value them. You don't look down on them. You value them. We are equal and I'm here to serve you with the gifts God's given me. That should be our attitude. This love 
is how we can get past the seven-year itch of marriage. This love is how you can get past the 25-year, are we going to make it past? This love is how you can love people that you want to just meet in the back alley with a baseball bat because of what they did to you financially, or they're lying about you, or talking about you, or whatever goes on. When you respond in love, it doesn't mean it's okay. No, 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 not at all. It just means while you're dealing with this person, you value them, which means you don't talk down to them. You don't treat them like you have to kill them, destroy them. God is on your side and you value that person even while you're on your way to winning whatever the conflict is that is going on in your life. This is that love and it's inside of you. You don't need to say, one man said to me, Leon, I'm I'm just praying for love. I said, why? Well, it's my wife. I said, yeah, she said the same prayer request. You see, we think that we need love from God to handle relationships, but the love of God is in you. And as you spend time in his word and just in prayer, you're going to just find that you can learn to value people. When I found out the word love means to value, it helped me so much because I I, I wouldn't necessarily look at most people and just feel emotionally in love with you. Don't look at me like that. You're feeling the same way about me. (laughs) We don't just, oh, no, we value that person. And that value comes from the word of God that says you were made in the likeness, the image of God designed in heaven, made by God. You're special. You're amazing. And, And when you look at people like that, now you have a reason for the giftedness that you have in any area of life. You have love on the inside of you. A second thing I want to talk about is joy. A lot of people are looking for joy. I have friends. I grew up in Saskatchewan, a little place called Weldon, Saskatchewan. Went to school in Birch Hills. I had friends in Canistino, Melfort. You meet great Saskatchewan people everywhere. And uh, they were, a lot of my friends wanted risk. They loved to play all sorts of crazy games that would risk their life. And the adrenaline flow that would take place when they would do it, they just, oh, and they would just risk more. And they would risk more. And nine of them are dead. All died in their 20s, late teens, doing things, trying to get a little high off risk. Now, when I talk about joy, I don't mean, oh, you told the joke, I'm not talking about some kind of fake laughter. The Bible says that this joy is a joy that is always within you. It's more powerful than happiness. In fact, if I was to take the opposite of joy, I I would call it emptiness. You're filled with joy. You're filled with a sense of things are going to be okay. God's on my side. I'm going to get up and I'm going to live. You know, this joy is a powerful, powerful foundation. In 1 Peter uh, chapter 1 and verse 8, it says that when you are born again, that you have a joy so powerful, it's unspeakable. You don't even know what words to put to how you feel. And it's full of the glory of God. In John 15, 11, Jesus says there, these things have I spoken to you that it says that my joy will be in you and that it'll be made full. So you have a love that is resident within you. You have a wisdom 
that is resident within you. You have a joy that is unspeakable, full of glory. Nehemiah 8.10 says, it's the joy that is your strength. When you feel this emptiness, this depression pushing at you, things going on on the inside, who am I and what's going on and where's this world going anyway and what's my marriage like and where's my kids and where's our family and whatever questions you've been asking yourself that make you feel empty, the joy of the Lord is always in there. You just need to learn to begin to open that tap and let that joy begin to flow out. Isaiah 35, 10. It says, And the ransomed of Jehovah shall return and come with singing into Zion, and everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Well, that's talking about heaven, Leon. No, it's not. You entered heaven when you got born again. You became a citizen, I mean, of heaven. But there is a place called heaven, just like I can be a Canadian citizen while I'm visiting England. You became a citizen of heaven with access to all the rights and privileges. And this everlasting joy is there. In Psalm 1611, it says, Thou will show me the path of life in thy presence is fullness of joy. And in your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Everybody, see, Leon, that's heaven. Okay, read your Bible. This person who is filled with joy is in you now. It's not, well, when we get to heaven one day, I'm going to have peace, I'm going to have joy, I'm going to have love, I'm going to have wisdom. Really? So what are you walking around now? Just kind of a, woohoo. No. The same, you know that when you get to heaven, the only thing new you're getting is a body? There's a whole nother message. It shocks people when I tell them that. What do you mean, Leon? I mean that you're born again. Your spirit man is born again. You renew your mind with the word. You make your body a living sacrifice. When you pass away and you go to be with Jesus, you'll get a new body in heaven one day. Okay? But this is still you. Remember when I first married Sally, she said, okay, like, Leon, when we get to heaven, you're going to have like this huge mansion and me, I'm going to have some little cabin down by the lake. Will you even know who I am? I said, listen to me. When we get to heaven, the people we love, the people we know, the people we hang out with, we're still going to love, know, and hang out with. You know? And as we, and we begin to recognize some of these things, it kind of gives you a, a real incredible understanding of the joy, the power, the goodness of God isn't reserved for heaven. The only thing that's in heaven is the enemy of our souls. The kingdom of darkness is not there. And so everything just flows in such a beautiful way. The last one I want to talk to you about is one of the most important. They're all important. In John 16, 33, Jesus said, These things have I spoken to you, that in me you will have peace. I want you to notice the word in me. Yes, he means in the storm. But how in the storm are you going to have peace? When you see the answer coming? When you see it resolving? When you see things working out? No, those, that, that's sense knowledge. The peace that we have, this phenomenal, stunning ability to walk through anything and to be at peace, it says it is in Jesus. And he says, in the world, you're going to have tribulation. Storms are going to blow. But you be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. 
What is peace? Jesus said, it's my peace that I leave with you. Not as the world gives peace, but my peace I give you. And I have found that as I begin to, as I taught the word over these years and pastored people, that I begin to tell them, you need to recognize the power of God that is within you. Wisdom is in you. Peace is in you. Joy is in you. The Bible teaches us that all of these beautiful things we've been talking about are in you. And you can go to Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and on, and see all the other things. It talks about self-control, being kind, being good, being continent. You know, which literally means that you can control yourself in any situation. Why? Because of the power of God that is within you. Everything the world offers, God offers a better way to have that, to do that. And as we begin to understand the hidden man's abilities. You need to stop begging and bugging and pleading with God to do something for you that he's already done. And you say, well, Leon, I've heard that before. Good for you. Are you now learning to release his joy? Does anybody even like being with you? Is there a peace about you when things go wrong? Or are you like the chicken little running around going, back, 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 back. the sky is falling, the sky is falling, everything's going to hell in a handbasket. That's not what the Bible says. As you begin to continue, that's why I love church so much. When we all get together, if I'm having a down day, I know there'll be a few thousand people having an up day. Can I just rub against you a little bit and let you transfer to me that joy? If you come here one day and I don't want to go to church, I'm not feeling up to it. You know what? Then you should be coming here because the family of God is called his church. And if two or three are gathered together, I'm in the midst of them, he says. That means there's something more than just you alone watching TV. There's something more than just you saying, well, I don't need church organized. I know I've heard it all. But the Bible says you do. And there's something about the people of God coming together to worship, to praise, that when that happens, this The presence of God within them, the joy that flows, the love that flows, this peace that flows, this wisdom that flows. They might not have an answer for what you're going through, but just worshiping God with them like you are right now has a stunning effect on your spirit. Well, I can't feel my spirit, someone told me. I said, I know. It's like planting carrots in your garden. You run out there and you plant carrots and peas. And, and then you go, I, I, I don't see them coming up, Leon. It's been, it's been 24 hours and I don't see anything happening. Well, just wait a while. Well, Leon, it's been a whole week and I don't see anything happening. Trust me. It's coming up. And it's the same way in the things of the Spirit of God. As you begin to hear his word, hang out with fellow believers, something begins to grow on the inside of you that is so powerful. This joy, this peace, this wisdom, this love begins to push out everything that's harassed you. And now what you used to do is get someone to encourage you or you know, someone pray for me and you don't realize that once I know who I am, these forces become mine. People will say to me sometimes, you know, they're like, how can you not worried? Um, because I have peace. Well, what does that mean? You should try it. And they'll say, well, you know, can I just have a coffee with you? I just, it kind of, when I'm around you, I feel peaceful. I will. But why don't you get your own peace? It's on the inside of you. Rather than looking for an evangelist, looking for a television preacher, looking for, for somebody. Instead, 
it's within you. And as you learn to be who you is, these powerful forces, they flow out of your recreated spirit because that's where the presence of God is. You are God's creation. You are special. You are so loved. He didn't make you to fail. He made you to win. He didn't make you to be the tail. He made you to be the head. He didn't make you to barely get by. He made you to thrive. He didn't make you to to groan and sigh. He made you to rejoice and smile even in the midst of the storms you're going through. And when you see these forces being released from a born-again believer's life, you know there's a faith that's going to change everything. People tell me they have faith, but they think faith is, is just this feeling positive. Positive is not faith. That's just one step. It's when these incredible forces come out that you just see the miraculous power of God go to work on relationships, your mind, your heart, your body. Incredible things happen. When you begin to pay attention to the hidden man, you're not who your neighbor sees. You're not who your wife sees. You're not who your husband sees. You're not who the rest of us see. There's a hidden man there, and the nature of God is there if you're born again. Father, I pray right now that you touch every person here today, that something would wake us all up from the most mature believer to those who haven't given their lives to you yet. I pray that in this service today, Holy Spirit, that you would touch people deeply, beautifully. Let there be an awareness of how amazing and complete the miracle of salvation is. I pray that whether it's business, relationships, grieving, whatever they're going through right now, that they would know that you're within them and that they don't have to suffer so deeply because you bring joy, peace, love, wisdom. With every head bowed for just a moment, I'm going to lead everybody here in a powerful prayer. The prayer of becoming a reborn believer. You see, God will never force himself into your life. He's a gentleman. You have to give him permission. I'll lead you in that powerful prayer. And if you've never done it or you're not sure, if you're not sure, then you need to do this. Because when you say, Jesus, come in, That's when you're allowing him to get involved in your life. So all across this auditorium, before I just start to pray, if you want to be included and you say, Pastor, include me in that prayer as we all pray, would you just look up at me and wave at me really quickly? Just wave a hand at me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Others. Thank you. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Others. Just say, yes, please include me in this prayer. Thank you. Wonderful. For those that are watching right now, Calgary, all around the world, pray this prayer. It's an amazing prayer. And it goes like this. Just say, Dear God, thank you for sending Jesus. He died in my place. He qualified me in every way to be accepted by you. So Jesus, come into my heart. From today and on, I'm following you. Help me to know all the ability that is now within me. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Welcome to the family of God. That's how powerful that is, how potent that is.